guys. So this is Mr. Joel Cornelius talking to you live from a moving car. And um, I'm giving you a little video this morning because Pastor Russ wanted me to talk to you about origins when he heard a little bit about my my origin. Um, as you well know, I have identified myself as a Native American person. Pretty proud of that. Well, my older brother decided to go to Ancestry.com this year to find out how much Native we truly were. And when the results came back, lo and behold, I found out I was more of a white guy than I am an Indian. And this has served to be quite a problem to me. As I've stated to many people, when I found out, I was struggling because part of me wanted to drill for oil and part of me wanted to save the water. Um, part of me wants to smudge, another one wants to pray. Part of me wants commodity cheese and part of me wants a hamburger. These are things that some of you probably don't even deal with, but I do now. And part of me wants to stay in my teepee, part of me wants to get up and go out kill a buffalo and my wife says now I really am a real apple <laughs> I don't <laughs> so for all you people who are considering yourself white you might be Indian <laughs> and I hope you are I hope you are <laughs> that's my story and I'm sticking and they're sharing give me the thumbs up <laughs> he's one of a kind isn't he and that, that one joke went right past a bunch of you his wife calls him an apple because he's white on the inside and red on the outside well, we're starting our new message series, Origins, today, and I, I'm just really excited about what I have to share with you today and in the coming weeks, and we all love origin stories, don't we? I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but most of the time when we meet somebody new, we ask an origin story. We ask things like, where were you born? Or, what was your ancestry? And poor Pastor Joel is in a crisis now over his ancestry. Uh, we might say, how did you meet your wife? Or what was your first car? These are some of the things that we do to make conversation. People ask me all the time, where did Connect Church come from? And I love telling origin stories. I love sharing with people about where Connect Church came from. And so today, we're asking the question, what is the origin of God? What is the origin of God? And I, I'm so excited for this. How many of you are excited to know about the origin of God? All right, three of us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have you ever asked yourself the question, if God created everything, who created God? If God created everything, who created God? And this is a really important question that might come to you when you're doing your really deep thinking. You know, it's different for everybody. I have my times when I'm thinking really deep, when I'm driving down the road or something. I don't know how it is for you. Or maybe you've been talking about God with a friend. That might be a question they ask you, and I, I don't know. Maybe you don't have an answer for it. Maybe it's a question that you've been struggling with. Maybe this question 
has made you question whether God even exists? Well, today we're going to wrestle with this question, and we're going to talk about how the Bible addresses it specifically. And on that note, let me tell you where I'm coming from in this series. We can study origins through science, we can talk about it through philosophy, uh, but we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about the origin of God and the origin of the cosmos, the origin of mankind, and all the things that you've seen on the posters. And if it creates a block for you that I'm talking from the Bible, maybe you don't believe that the Bible is really a reliable source of information, then I would love to have the opportunity to sit with you over a cup of coffee and talk about why Christians believe that the Bible is absolutely a reliable source of information. So if you're struggling with some of this stuff, if, you're just, if it's just a block for you, then I, I, I'm asking you sincerely, let me know, and I'd love to sit down with you one-on-one and we'll, we'll talk about the Bible, all right? But for today, we want to ask this question. If God created everything, who created God? You ready? Here's what the Bible reveals to us. And if you're taking notes, we've got note cards right up here and some back there. If you're taking notes, here's the big answer that I hope you'll think about this week. God is completely other. God is completely other. Now, that might not be a satisfying answer to you right now, but I think by the time we walk through this, it's going to feel really good and you're going to get it. And I want to start today in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. You don't even have to open your Bibles for this verse today, all right? It's going to be up on the screen and it says four words. Well, there's more than four words, but we're just going to stop at four words today. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In fact, would you just say that out loud with me, everybody in the room? In the beginning, God. Now, I want you to memorize this portion of a verse today, all right? So say it with me again. In the beginning, God. Now, close your eyes and say it again. In the beginning, Good. Now you've memorized the Bible, or at least part of a verse of the Bible. Here's what this verse tells us, and it's critically important that we understand this. God's beginning is other. This is number one on your outline. God's beginning is other. Now, you know what a beginning is, right? If you have a continuum, I've got a continuum up here on the screen. If you've got a continuum, on the left-hand side, you have a beginning, and at the right-hand side, you have an end, and everything that happens in our lives plots with a dot somewhere on that continuum. But Genesis 1.1 says, say it with me, in the beginning, God. So in other words, God existed before the beginning. So we have to understand there is a beginning, there is an end in our experience, but God exists outside of that continuum. Do you see none of the dots even landed on the continuum because God is completely other? Here's another great verse that talks about the otherness of God. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born... 
Before you, God, gave birth to the earth and the world from beginning to end, you are God. Now, I think this verse is fascinating because it doesn't say before all this happened, you were God. It doesn't say you will be God. It just says you are God. God exists completely outside the continuum that we live our lives on from beginning to end. God's existence simply is. Present tense, eternal tense, if that's a thing. I don't know. He just exists. No other explanation is is provided for us. He is just completely other. And actually, the Bible is really very clear. God didn't even have a beginning. That's what the word eternal is. And this is what makes him completely other. Now, the second way that God is completely other is this. God's nature is other. God's nature is other. And this is really cool, too. We all recognize things by their form. That's what we call their nature. And so we are physical, but God is other. And we recognize other things. We recognize a man. We recognize a tree. We recognize a chair. But God is other. That was good timing, wasn't it? We practiced that. Here's what John chapter 4 says. John 4.24 says, God is spirit. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Well, we're physical. I mean, you can, you can take your hands and you can touch your arm. We're, we're flesh and blood. We're physical. But what the Bible says is that God is spirit. He's other than us. And and the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. We're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. So there is a part of us that is like God, but he is spirit. We are material. God is completely other. Let me give you another example of how God's nature is other. This is a little bit mind-bending. The Bible reveals that God is what we call a trinity. How many of you have ever heard that word? Okay. Trinity. And it is difficult for some of us to really wrap our minds around the Trinity. But, but what we see as we, as we read through the Bible, uh, places like John chapter 1 show that Jesus always existed from the beginning. In fact, it tells us that Jesus is God. And in Genesis chapter 1, the very first book in the Bible, we find that God refers to himself with plural language. And when you put it all together, you find out that God is one. He's God, not gods. And yet there's three persons. It's other. It doesn't even really compute in our brains. But you see, God's nature is other. God is completely other. And and here's kind of a summary. This In 90 seconds... This is kind of what I'm talking about. Take a look at this. 
All right, your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays that you're thinking of the wrong God, <laughs> because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth. There's matter. So you have time, space, matter created, a trinity of trinities there. Just, you know, time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for, and the, I, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot have any effect on a material body, well then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that form by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay? So... Your, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping, that's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. <laughs> He's good, isn't he? I was going to try to do that for you, but I just decided to show the video. I... He's way better than I am. So God's beginning is other. God's nature is other. And here's number three. God's purpose is other. And here's where I, I, I'm getting little goosebumps on my arms because this, this is just, this is good stuff. God's purpose is other. Listen, most animals and plants have two purposes, and you know this. Their two purposes are survival and reproduction. Survival and reproduction. And most human beings spend their lives, just like plants and animals, pursuing these two things. We work and we work and we work so that we can earn enough money to provide food and shelter for our families. That's what we call survival. And we pursue love and sexuality and we make babies and we have grandkids and we worry about our estate and where we're going to pass everything on to. That's called reproduction. And most human beings spend all their time in survival and reproduction. But here's what the Bible tells us. God's purpose is completely other. God's purpose is completely other. There's a great passage in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, and, and there's a few verses that's referenced there in your notes, and I'm not going to read these verses to you because it's, it's kind of long, but I just want to give you my own paraphrase of these four verses. Essentially, it says this, God had a plan for you, God had a plan for you, even before Genesis 1.1. The plan was to ransom you, 
Not with material things, but with the blood of Christ. The plan was formed before time began, but it has been made known to you in these last times so that you would be reconnected to God. Listen, God's purpose isn't about survival or about reproduction. His purpose is all about you. And this is why Jesus came. This is why we just celebrated Christmas. Chris and I started taking down all of our Christmas decorations yesterday. And as I was putting the nativity sets away, I was a little sad in my heart. Because I I love Christmas. and, And I love the fact that Jesus came. But really, when you really start thinking about it in those, in those brainstorming times, it doesn't make any sense to our brains that God would send his son to be my ransom, to be your ransom. But you see, Jesus, who is God, is completely other. And his love for you and his love for me might not make sense to your brain, but that's okay because God's purpose, his brain, is other. Do you get this? He's completely other. His purpose is other. His mission is other. And what motivates God is his love for you. Man, that song we sang earlier is just running through my brain. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. Man, that is truth. And it comes from the otherness of God's purpose. I want you to meet Bill Shirley. Bill is a friend of mine who miraculously reconnected to God more than 22 years ago. And he recently wrote out his story and he shared it with me and Pastor Bob up in Great Falls. And I want to read just part of his story to you this morning. I grew up in Tennessee where life was incredibly pleasantly hillbilly and redneck. We were small fish in a small pond and we didn't have a care in the world or even knowledge of a world that existed outside of our pond. And that was fine with us. My parents took us to church every time the doors were open, and we would smile and pretend that life was normal. But life wasn't normal. When I was about 17, my mother was diagnosed with a mental illness, and her behavior became abusive. I remember her phoning for help, and then she would attempt to harm the people that came to help her, even us kids. I was an insecure kid anyway, but this abuse began to accentuate my insecurities, and so I chose to use abuse, alcohol, and drugs. And eventually I found myself living in my car and keeping company with prostitutes and other homeless people. I was hell on wheels. I left a swath of destruction everywhere I went, emotional, physical, and financial destruction. After a decade of living like this, I realized I had to get out of town. Thankfully, the Air Force was looking for folks to aim higher 
And so I signed up a month before I turned 28 years old. Although I was a wreck of a person, the Air Force rated me as highly adaptable to military life. And so I looked forward to a more structured existence. When I got to Montana, I kept living that same destructive lifestyle, but I did so in a mostly legal fashion. However, somewhere back home, my sister was praying for me. And a few weeks after my second divorce, God put a new thought in my mind. If I want a different outcome, I'm going to have to choose a different input. I went to church the next Sunday, and I could see that God was meeting people's needs that morning, but I felt like God steered clear of me. I desperately wanted him to talk to me, but if he did, I didn't hear it. I went home and called my sister. I told her I was going to go back to church that night, and if God would have anything to do with me, he would never be able to get rid of me. That night, God didn't just knock on my door. He completely kicked it in. I cried like the idiot I was, and I gave him my all. Actually, I had nothing to give him but I gave him 100% of my nothing. I was blessed to be there that night when Bill reconnected with God. And I was really blessed to be able to walk with him through the next years of his life. I, I prayed with him. I wept with him. We studied the Bible together. We went to small groups together. I even got to be the officiant at his wedding to his third and final wife, Robbie, who's a wonderful Christian girl. Uh, Bill's story was, was miraculous. Uh, I'll never forget. He was, he was addicted to drugs and addicted to alcohol. And after he reconnected with God on that Sunday night, he never had a thirst or an, a desire for drugs or alcohol again. It was instantaneous, miraculous. That doesn't happen to everybody. You, you know that, right? Some people struggle, Christians even struggle. and str- God kicked his door in. Now Bill and Robbie have two sons who passionately love Jesus and Bill's nothing has been turned into everything. And it's a miracle. Guys, it's a miracle only Jesus can do. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Here's Bill's words. I don't deserve any of this, but I have the best wife, the best sons, the best friends, and the best job. Can I tell you something? This is the otherness of God. Bill brought God nothing, but God gave his son, Jesus. This is what I mean when I say God is completely other. When we come to him, most of us, probably all of us, when we came to Jesus, we didn't have anything to exchange. But God gave Jesus. And Jesus completely transformed Bill's life. And he's transformed my life. Has he transformed your life? Some of you are shaking your heads. Some of you are probably sitting here today saying, 
man, I'm where Bill, I'm where Bill was. And you might be asking that question this morning. Could Jesus do for me what Jesus did for Bill? You know what the answer is? Absolutely. Because God isn't limited by time. He isn't limited by space. God isn't limited by matter, like that guy said. God isn't limited by your past or your faults or your mistakes or your sins. God is other, and he's so much bigger. Listen, friends, whatever you're afraid of, the Bible says this, be still and know that I am God. Whatever you're trying to control, whatever you're trying to fix in your life, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Whatever it is in your life that you've wrecked, maybe you're a lot like Bill. I don't know. Listen, God is so much bigger and he can transform your life when you just bring your nothing to him. All you have to do is be still and know that he is God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, this is so important to me because I've got to know that there is something, somebody who is bigger than me in this cosmos. I've, I've come through times in my life when, when I, I've just felt like I've wrecked everything and I couldn't fix it. But God, you are so much bigger. You are so much other than me. That when I just simply called on Jesus, Jesus, you came and you transformed me. God, will you now do the same thing that you've done for me, that you've done for Bill, that you've done for so many of us sitting in this room. God, will you come and transform every person that has a spark of hope in their heart today that maybe because you are other, maybe you're big enough to change us. Will you come and do that, I pray. In Jesus' name.